This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Tara Carter from Clovis, New Mexico. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for June 27th. Episode 1726. This episode is brought to you by Horseware. Good morning, Horse World. Good Tuesday morning to you. And I do mean a good Tuesday morning. Well, if you insist on being accurate about it. You know, only somebody with perfect comedic timing could produce this much energy in one shot. You gotta learn that your time in the saddle ain't as rough as a life in between. And the fence isn't there for you to straddle. And you can't change horses in the middle of your dream. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday morning. And Tara is back for her second go-round here as co-host of the Western episode. Of course, the Western episode is the fourth Tuesday of every month. Welcome back, Tara. Thank you very much. Glad to be back. I didn't scare you away the first time. (laughs) No, I had a lot of fun. Couldn't wait for this to roll around. (laughs) Oh, good, good. And plus, I know the real reason. It has nothing to do with hanging out with me or talking to the people. It has everything to do with the fact that your husband had to take the kids and you have peace and quiet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's part of it, but uh, (laughs) the first, the first part of it is really nice. (laughs) You had such a good response from our listeners. They loved you, which I do. I need. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we had, you know, it really wasn't your first time because, you know, you had done like 18 hours live at Road to the Horse. So that that was really your first time, but it was, it's uh, nice. I'm glad that we have this settled in and hopefully we'll do it for years to come. Yes. And Jennifer's going to tell us, speaking of years to come, what's coming up for the next hour and a half on our show. Coming up on today's Western with Tara episode, brought to you by Horseware, singer and songwriter and Oregon native, Joni Harms is going to stop by for a little get-to-know-you jam session. And then mid-show, everybody's favorite cowgirl in the kitchen, Jill Stanford, stops by with a perfect summer recipe for pickle lovers and trotting through the gate amidst clouds of dust from 4,000 hooves, Sarah Bishop is going to stop by to talk about the world's largest horse drive. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. Thank you, Jennifer. It looks like a lot of fun stuff coming up on today's show, but let's get started with a Daily Winnie. Well, I have a bunch of birthdays here today. Happy birthday to John Kyle, one of the top announcers for the U.S. or the uh, FEI and TV and radio and everything all around the world. Happy birthday, John. He, he was in our studio here a couple months ago and spent a Friday with us. Auditor Jill Black Eckes, it's her birthday as well. And Canadian horseballer Marie Nadeau. And Jennifer, you'll remember her. She was on the horseball team that during the 2010 WEG 8 
ate Chinese in our yeah. house. Yes. Uh, we, yeah. <laughs> what would happen, Tara, was we, we covered the 2010 WEG for the 2000, we had the WEG show, we had the radio show. And yeah. so we were there every day and we were covering all the other events, all the, the promotional events and stuff that were there. We're horseball. I loved horseball. I actually went and ho- watched horseball a bunch. And we met this one Canadian horseball team, which Marie was, I think, co-captain of. And uh, they, they all spoke French. <laughs> Very few of them actually spoke English. So <laughs> they were complaining that, you know, they'd been on the road so long. They'd been on the road for like a couple of weeks that uh, they hadn't eaten in a home. They were missing home. And, I, and so we invited yeah. them all over. There were, what, maybe 20 of them, Jennifer? And we ordered like hundreds of dollars of Chinese, <laughs> had it delivered to the house, and they were all over our house. So we had people speak. I didn't know what they were saying. They could have been saying this was terrible. I don't know, because they were all speaking <laughs> French. But it was fun, and Marie was a treat, and we're, we've been friends ever since. And I don't know if you've ever seen horseball, but it is crazy. It is a crazy sport. <laughs> uh, and then a belated happy birthday to a mutual friend of ours, Adam Tarpley, yes. uh, who competed at Road to the Horse, and uh, you know very well her, he and Shorty. Yes, yeah. Trevor and Adam were uh, roommates in college, so we've oh, knows very well then. <laughs> yeah, we do. They we've still known talk. Them a while. Do they still talk? Uh, Oh yeah, oh, okay, for sure. <laughs> I didn't know, yeah. I didn't know how that roommate. Yeah, thing Trevor. Went. <laughs> Trevor's best cow dog came from Adam and Shorty, and. Anyway, she's really great. Yeah, they're a lot of fun, and uh, her dogs are great too. She she has uh, helper dogs, and they she always has them so well trained. They are so well trained. They, so, this dog that they that they gave Trevor, I don't know if I've told you guys, but her name is Happy. They named her Happy. Oh, really? And it's really? it's the best name ever because like when she's not where she's supposed to be when Trevor's working cows, Happy. <laughs> so. It's it's this nice name that comes out when you might not want to say something so nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, your turn. So my daily Winnie goes out to Days in Farm Horse Rescue. They actually just hosted uh, hosted us out there this last weekend for a clinic. And what Trevor does is he goes around and helps train the trainers at different horse rescues. And so they all gathered this last weekend at Days in Farm and they were wonderful hosts. So we just wanted to give them a shout out. Well, you guys had some fun. I know I've seen the pictures. You were hanging out with family, but you also got to head over to Disneyland, right, in California. We did, yes. Now, how many kids yeah, do you every- have? Remind everybody, what are the ages? Three. We have three kids. So, uh, William just turned five, which is the reason we went to Disneyland. And then uh, Philip's almost three and Vivian's almost one. Wow. So, so you got, you got little yeah. ones. Yeah. You got little yes. ones. And how yes. did they all like Disneyland? Was it super crowded or did, did they mind or long line? They love, they loved it. And, you know, we went to Adventure Park where they have Cars Land and that was their, you know, absolute favorite. Cause William and Philip are totally into cars. Uh, so, and Cars the movie, not necessarily just Cars in general, but Cars <laughs> the movie. And um, so we went there, and it was great. It wasn't too packed. You know, the lines are long for some rides, but they have this thing called Fast Pass. Yep. So yep. you have to you have to manage your Fast Pass, and then you give it's all like your stuff science. to one person. <laughs> yeah, and then they run across the park while you're in line. And anyway, so it's kind of fun. You know, it gives you some some mental strategy to do while you're standing in line. And so anyway, we, we had a great time. Disneyland, Disneyland itself was really packed, but 
we went from park open to park closed the first day, so we kind of just moseyed through wow. Disneyland the second day. You did that <laughs> with the kids? No oh, yeah. Our kids wow. are, no, our kids are troopers. I mean, we take them all the way across country and horse shows, and so Disneyland was like a piece of cake. <laughs> <laughs> now, you got to see some cool things at Cars, right? Tell us about that. Yeah, we, uh, so they actually have, you know, like live versions of car of Lightning McQueen and Tomater and, but then they did the sneak preview of Cars 3. And so we got to go into this little area where the kids got to be in a pit crew. And then we got to go in this semi that looks like Mac, but when you walk inside, it's a movie theater. And so you get to see, um, you get to see the, a preview of the movie and then they had new live cars of the new, you know, the new characters. And so it was really cool. We got to see it and then we got to see it before it came out. So, and you, then you, well, let's, we do movie reviews here on the show. So did you get to see cars three then when it came out? I guess it just came out, right? Yeah, we did. So we, we got back, I don't know, like a, on, a, on the 13th and the movie came out on the 14th. So the next day we, we waited till it was hot and Trevor got off horses and we took them into the movie theater and we watched cars three. It was their first, their first experience in a movie theater. Really? And yeah, so we, we watched cars three and then, um, of course, afterward, they wanted to watch it again because at home, if they watch a movie, they <laughs> can right, watch it again. again. And, we, <laughs> and we kept telling them, no, it doesn't work that way. And anyway, even now, they'll be like, can we watch that again? No, it's not out yet. You can't watch it yet. So. But they loved it. They loved Cars 3. And Did you like so it? I mean, it's getting good reviews. Everybody's saying it's better. In Car- Cars 2 was a little <laughs> laggy. And I think everybody's yes. saying that Cars 3 was better. Yeah, Cars 3 was great. You know, I, I don't want to be do a spoiler alert, but you can definitely see... Uh, kind of where where they're taking it for the next the next generation and so you know there's a little bit of girl power in the movie and it's just it's got a really great message and you know lots of humor and it it was great oh good good so you liked it better than two i did for sure yes right up there with number one because i really liked number one i really did yeah this yeah and i think because of Cars 2, you appreciate Cars 3 even more, maybe. But, yeah, I think it's... it's <laughs> you were cars, praying cars that it was one. better. <laughs> yeah, cars, yeah, Cars 1 and 3 are definitely my favorite. <laughs> so so we use a six-flake bale. They're very, they're very small bales. We use a six-flake bale as our rating system, with six flakes being the best. What would you give Cars 3? <laughs> oh, probably five and a flake. Five and a flake? Wow. Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. So that's pretty good then. All right. <laughs> we do, we love to do on uh, Horses in the Morning over the past six years, we've done many musical highlights where we bring musicians on who who are independent and who are out there, you know, at, at practicing their craft and who we really like. And of course, we play songs on the show. And we have one of those today. I want to play a little bit of a song that I really liked. And I think, I think that the listeners will appreciate. Uh, and you know, it's uh, it's horse-related, which is appropriate, so I think they're going to like that, too. So let's hear a little bit of a song called Saddle Blanket, and then we'll bring on the artist. I've had this saddle blanket since I was a kid. Born to be a cowgirl, no one rode as hard as I did Even though my first pony was a barrel out in the yard We faced our share of dangers, chasing outlaws riding hard 
to go by the hands of the Navajo. Sold by some old trader on the side of a dusty road. Joni Harms has been the winner of multiple Academy and Western Artists Awards, including Top Honor for Entertainer of the Year in 2002. In 2003, Harms was named Female Vocalist of the Year and accepted the award for Song of the Year from the Western Music Association. She continues building audiences through appearance, appearances at the Grand Old Opry and even appeared at New York City's Carnegie Hall. So we want to welcome to the show Joni Harms. Hi, Joni. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much How for you joining guys? us. We really appreciate you being here. Now, you had My to get pleasure. up early. Are you in Oregon? I am in Oregon, but no problem. I was up. We have cattle and horses and everything out here, and they <laughs> like to eat their breakfast pretty early. So I'm I'm usually up around 5.30 anyway. So this was no problem. But, yeah, it's about a little after 6 out here now. You know, horse girl musicians are the only ones that don't complain about getting up early to talk to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Regular musicians, well, no not so there. much. <laughs> Well, well, thank you for having me on the show. You just got done with a tour of the UK, Ireland and stuff. Tell us about that. Yeah, I was over there for a little over six weeks. Uh, went over wow. in uh, the end of April and recorded my 13th album in Ireland, which was a lot of fun. And uh, got some more horse songs on that one, too, and, and ranch-related music. And then did some shows there. I just love Ireland. It's amazing country, but also just so many terrific musicians it's you know you see them start out about three four years old on the fiddle there i'm serious it's it's crazy everywhere you look there's kids all all the way up to people in their 80s or 90s playing music so it's it's pretty incredible and then uh, i went over to england and uh have quite a following there too it's surprising how many people really love traditional country music over there and and then that ended up in france as well and and we'll go, be going back over to europe again in september because i've got some big country music festivals that i'm going back over for then let's back up a little bit you talk about ireland and we did renaissance fairs for 10 years so irish music is kind of uh kind of dear to our hearts too ah. but, but country and western country music has its roots really in irish music there's there there was a correlation of relationship there right Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny, I go over there and I want to hear Irish music. And I guess, <laughs> when I'm over there, they want to hear, I'll just say, you know, play some good country music. <laughs> How popular is country music in UK? Well, you know, it, you can't, the unfortunate thing is they don't really have a radio station that, that plays it. They have like weekly shows that would have, um, you know, they have the BBC radio that will have a weekend where they have like two, three hours, maybe a day of country music, but you can't just turn on a dial and, and get, that's why the, you know, internet radio is so popular over there because people really, there is quite a few fans, but for some reason they just don't have a station that would play solely country music. In fact, you know, the, the stations that they do get, a lot of it is like older eighties, seventies, eighties music that they play. It's interesting, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, they, they have a lot of country music festivals. They have, uh, you know, theaters. You know, I played quite a few of those. And this, the cute little quaint smaller theaters that uh, I can go do a lot of times just as a solo. It's like I do the story behind the song show where I, because I'm a songwriter, I love to tell the stories how different songs have come about and then sing it. And, and they, they quite enjoy that. And, and so it's it's 
um, it's it's there. It's getting more popular, and I, I think and hope that maybe one of these days they're going to get more of it out on radio for people to hear. But but it's like for one good thing, CDs are still real popular over there too for that very reason. You know, people will come out and buy a lot of CDs at the shows, and where mm. you know over here they're not as popular anymore. Right, everybody's streaming everything now. So yeah, yeah, right. It was right. easy for me. I just went on to iTunes and bought your songs, and you know, it was easy. It's so easy for us to do, and that's what we're used to doing now. It's it's so different. You um. I want to talk to you a little bit about Saddle Blanket, by the way. We're going to play a couple more of your songs as the day goes on. But you, I, when I listened to your music this morning, I got—I I, I lost an hour before the show just uh, <laughs> plowing through through iTunes. Uh, you know, Emmy Lou Harris comes to mind. A little Dolly Parton, uh, maybe some George Strait. Uh, am I right as far as influences? Wow! Thank you very much. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That was uh, in my you know earlier years. I toured quite a bit with Chris Ledoux. And uh, a lot of people said, you know, that you remind me of a female George Strait or Chris Ledoux. And that, that definitely is, is my influences. And, you know, I have a big rodeo background, big ranch background, and I love to write about what I know and have ex- experienced. And so, you know, that's, that's definitely influences. And Emmy Lou was, and Dolly, both huge influences. I remember the first time I heard Dolly's song, The Code of Many Colors, I just... I went out and bought the album right away and just played it over and over and over and just studied the lyrics and tried to decipher what it was about that song that just made me want to keep playing it again. And, you know, it's the story, it was the music, it was the way she sang it. And so, you know, that that still to this day is probably one of my all-time favorite songs. I just mm. love that song. For a yeah, lot of people. It's a great song. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so, what was, it, yeah. like, oh, sorry. Ahead, what was it like to tour with Chris Ledoux? Like what? What was Great. one of your was, was sorry? Like what's one of your favorite memories? Well, one of my very favorite memories is when uh, he heard my song "Cowboy Up" and he said, "Oh man, I love that song." <laughs> Which is, is a um, a song has done a lot of good things for me. Actually, I, I I had already recorded it and it was very popular in Australia and New Zealand. So I did a video over there, and um, and I'm getting sidetracked from Chris Ledoux here. But anyway, we we did a video of Cowboy Up in, in Widgee, Australia, and it got a lot of airplay over there. And then it's also been featured in a children's movie called Adventures of Pepper and Paula that's streaming now on Netflix. And then to top it off, um, Chris put it on his last CD before he passed away, and it was his last single out on country radio. So... That was uh, a big honor for me to have oh, yeah. him record, you know, um, Cowboy Up, which is just basically a song about, you know, I, I'm sure you have heard the term many times being horsey people, but, uh, you know, getting back on your horse after you get backed off, bucked off and, and life can be very much the same. But no, he was just a great guy. And I'm so happy to see Ned, his son now is is uh, out touring and just sounds dead ringer like his dad sounds so much like hmm. him and. So yeah, just he was great, great rodeo rider, but also yeah. uh, and singer, but just just an all around great person. We know we uh, when we have people out here, we'll take pictures while the while they're here for their horsemanship time, and then we'll play the the pictures back over dinner. And we usually use the song "Cowboy Up." I had no idea that was your song, so that's awesome. We uh, you did. We listened, oh, yeah, wonderful. we we listen to your song a lot. <laughs> Wow, well that's a that's a treat to hear. Absolutely. It, so you have Chris's version of it planned. Yes, yes it is. 
I'll have to get you my version too. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I know. That's exactly what we'll do. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. You know, Chris Ledoux is one that almost every country artist that we've had on the show over the last six, seven years has has mentioned Chris Ledoux. Yet, if you're not in, from the Western world, you don't know that name. Why was he such an influence to this to the world to that world? Well, you know, I think to the country music world or the rodeo world. To every, that country and rodeo world. Well, Garth made the huge, huge break for him by mentioning his name in that first big smash hit. He had too old to die this young, but, um, but he, you know, I think, I think he just, I think it was really, you know, a great personality is hard to top and wherever he would go, he would leave his little path of, of kindness and just take an extra time for people. And, you know, back to the day when he was selling cassettes out of the trunk of his, car you know or whatever he would he would um just take time for people and and that that was a huge influence to me which i've really tried hard to follow too uh, it, it, there's nothing more precious really than time if you can give somebody your time and then they they walk away not just as a fan but they feel like they're your friend and um will come back many times to see you and i i think his footsteps uh both in the rodeo industry and and country music um uh, he left he left that kind of a trail and and i think people will remember him very fondly for a long time because of that what's it like we're 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 an online radio show but there's the grand old opry what's it like to walk out there for the first time <laughs> your knee shaking that circle is <laughs> is oh absolutely. in fact i remember i remember the first time i sang on there i i got through my song about halfway and then um the band was doing an instrumental and and i remember thinking because i got so caught up in where i was and what i was doing that i i couldn't hardly even remember what song i was playing or where i needed to come back in or (laughs) anything else it it all it all thank goodness came to me but i but that was how I just got completely lost there for a little while and was looking out at that audience and it was, it was a dream come true. You know, I mean, ever yeah. since I was a little girl, I, I thought, Oh man, would that just be the ultimate to get to play on the grand old Opry? And, and so were you at the old stage? I finally you had Ryman? the opportunity. When you played? I played the both one? of them. Both of them? But yeah. the, I, the first time I did it, I was at the new one, but I had the same, you know, giddy feeling when I did, uh, when I've done, I think even more so probably the one downtown, you know, the old Ryman. Well, the old Ryman, that we, one we've been did. there and the, during, during a taping and the old Ryman is like going to church. I mean, it, it's got that pews yeah. and it's set up and it feels like you're at church. You know what I mean? It just has that feeling of, and then the lighting and the stage and the way it's set up with all the people around. I can see why it's a little different because yeah. you're used to going on stage and you're the only one and then they got all these people everywhere. So it's, it's different. But you know, the other magical part about it is you just think about all the great that have stood in that very circle yep. that you're standing on. Yeah, it's almost haunting. You think, wow, go back to Hank Williams and all these Patsy Klein and all those people. We happened to be there a night Charlie Daniels was playing. So that was pretty oh, great. cool. <laughs> he ended the show. Yeah, he's a great guy too. I, I used to write uh, for his publishing company, so I got to know Charlie pretty well. And Another big and, horse uh, guy? You know, yeah, another. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. He sure is. Well, now, tell us a little bit, I want to hear a little bit before we run out of time about a couple of your songs that I was listening to this morning. First of all, Saddle Blanket. Uh, You know, everybody, I think, has their favorite saddle pad or saddle blanket. 
every horse person. <laughs> and they use it over yes. and over and over until yes. it's dead. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Well, the other thing of it is, is uh, our place was homesteaded in 1872 by my great-great-grandfather Harms. And um, there was the Molala Indians here before him. And so we have a lot of Indian artifacts that are still on the place. And I've always been a huge fan of any kind of Western or Indian art. So we kind of have a, a, a log house and it's, it's full of, of that kind of decor. And one day I was just um, writing and, and, you know, getting new song ideas for the Harm's Way CD. And, and I just looked at one of those older um, Pendleton. I don't know if you've ever heard of Pendleton woolen mills out here. It's a very famous uh, blanket and, and uh, woolen company. And they make beautiful products. And I was just looking at one of their pieces, and 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 that's kind of how that song came about. But uh, love love any of that, and and you bet I've I've got my favorite saddle blankets as well. And then I always even remember my son. You know, it goes back to the days when you're a little kid, and you have your favorite blanket that you hang hang on to and go to sleep with, and and all that. You know, he had he had his, and it. You know, I'd take my kids on the road a lot, and he he would have to have that everywhere we went, along with the little horse pillow. The horse pillow and he had that. He was good. He was he was good to go. I kind of I kind of think of you know a saddle blanket, especially you know one that's woven as a coat of many colors for sure. That's a good analogy. Absolutely, that is a good analogy. There's a new song there, uh, Joni. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good. You never know. I get ideas everywhere. (laughs) So, Joni, before we let you go, I I always get in trouble when I have a guest on and don't ask about their horse. Do you have a favorite horse? One you ride all the time right now? Tell us about it. Well, I have Dolly. Um, she's a beautiful paint, but um, my where did it get that name? Horse, I have no idea um, where Dolly got that name. I have no idea. <laughs> yes, how about that? <laughs> but uh, no, Midnight was my my very favorite. He was a wonder horse to me. You know, everybody's had one, I think, but um, that's had horses mm-hmm. for a long time. But I I got him on Christmas Eve when I was eight years old, and I had him till he was thirty four, and he's he's buried here on the property, and and he just did everything with me. We did lots and lots of rodeo queening. Um, I taught children to ride on him. We also did some performances uh, where I, he could do some tricks and then I would do some singing. And, uh, you know, he was, as, he was just a big gentle giant with little people. But boy, when you got him in a parade or in the rodeo arena, he was full of sass and vinegar and ready to roll. So he was, <laughs> he was, he just was my best friend for, for many years. Well, that's great. And I'm going to play you And I wrote a, wrote a song about him. Which one was that? Old Midnight. Do you happen to have that one dialed no, in? No, I do not. But I'm going to play oh, you geez. out. Okay. By the way, I am going to play, because I picked it out even before the show started. I'm going to play Cowboy Up a little later in the show. So everybody will get oh, to hear okay. Joni's oh, version good. of that. But there's one i got to play, because everybody uh, that knows me, all the listeners know I love the fun, quirky songs. So I think you probably know what I'm going to play you out with, and that's This Old Farm. Any of us that has lived on a farm or a ranch appreciates everything in the song. I, and, and I know, I don't even think I have to ask you where, where the inspiration came from. I'm assuming it's just for, from everything that goes wrong on a farm when you live on one. It just is perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> but, and, and make it all fun, because in the bottom line, there's no place I'd rather be than right here. And, yeah. that is for and sure. all of us. There's never a dull moment and never, never free time, never, never any of those things. But you know what? I wouldn't trade it for the world. 
And we all agree with that, but this song just says what some of those days are like. (laughs) It's just perfect. (laughs) It's Joni Harms, J-O-N-I-H-A-R-M-S dot com is where you can find her schedule. I see you're doing some more touring. And, of course, you can find all the music on iTunes, all the usual places. You can also find uh, information on where to get the music over at her website. We really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much. It was certainly my pleasure. Thank you guys so much, and I uh, hope to do it again soon. All right, here's Joni singing This Old Farm. You guys are going to love this song. Everything seems out of place out on this old farm The cow won't milk but the chicken does The goats lay eggs and that's because It's just the way it always was out on this old farm I work all day in the hot moonlight Till the sun comes up at night It's upside down but that's alright by me Bananas grow on my apple trees I get my cheese from the honeybees season is right around the corner and the only choice for this fly season are the amigo range of fly sheets because they're built tough and feature the latest in design comfort bug busting technology and sun protecting fabrics and the amigo range has a fly sheet for every budget from the amigo bug buster vamoose with no fly zone to the amigo bug rug fly sheet find amigo fly sheets at your local or online retailer or you can visit horseware.com that's horseware H-O-R-S-E-W-A-R-E dot com. 
Matter of fact, my pony Scooter, who just had his 10th birthday, wears the Amigo Mio. And uh, <laughs> I need to get him a new one soon because he's starting to look like a homeless pony. He destroys his blankets all the time. <laughs> I, this one's probably five, six years old, which is really good for a fly sheet. It really is. Hey, you know what? Uh, did you like that song? This old farm? Can't you relate? I did. Yeah, cheese from my bees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Bananas growing on the apple trees. Uh, it yeah. just seems like that some days on the farm. It really does. Well, she was fun. And we'll play more of her songs as the show goes on. But next, we have to welcome somebody who I understand actually knows Joni very well. She's a regular guest, comes on every month with a recipe. And that's our own Jill Stanford of Cowgirl in the Kitchen. Hi, Jill. Hi, Jill. Good morning, Glenn. How are you? Good. So you know Joni? I've known Joni for a long time. We were neighbors, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I know the farm she's singing about. I've been there. Her, I believe, her cousin, uh, Dr. Harms, was my horse vet for years and years. God, this is a oh, small wow. world. <laughs> so I've watched her. I've watched her uh, start. She started out, you know, doing little gigs here and there. Like she said, and now, gosh, she travels to Ireland. They love her. They love her there. I even have a friend who went to see her in Ireland. Isn't that something? Oh, that's cool. That's very, very <laughs> she's cool. Really, she's the real deal. She rides. She sings. Yeah. She raises cattle. She's she's a wonderful person. I really enjoyed that interview a lot. I'm glad yes. you talked to her. Yeah, we're, I'm glad we did, too. She's delightful, and, and you can tell that she's got class. And she's also, you know, ter, uh, Tara said she's rich with experiences, and that's that's exa- that's what I got out of that, was she has all of these that's cool the things. Key. Yeah. You know, that's the key to the whole thing. You know, this is totally off the topic, but why not? It's it's our show. We, <laughs> I've come to learn there's two types of people in the world: one who like people who like things, and people who like experiences. And I, I think Jennifer and I were the kind of the things people early on, and now have turned into the experiences yeah. people. We sold all our things, and so we oh, got, yeah, it, and now we just exactly. want to do stuff and experience things. You know, and that's right. Yeah. That's right. You want to step out of your comfort zone and do something you've never done before. You talk to somebody who's done something that you're thinking you might like to do, and you think, "Well, heck, if they can do that, <laughs> I can do that." Well, it's funny you know, coming up later in the show. Life way more interesting. Tara doesn't know this, but coming up later in the show, she has Sarah Bishop on of the Great American Horse Drive, and Jennifer told me off the air that that's something she's always wanted to do. And I'm like, "Well, what's stopping you?" Uh, from what I saw, there's there was oh. like 85 year old women out there that don't know how to ride trying it for the first time. So there's nothing stopping her. Good. Yeah, yeah so we're going to have to get her that, out there That was year. interesting to see that clip about those all those horses coming in. That just makes your blood go, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. does. You, just, I know. you look at that and you think, I can do that. There's always the saddle <laughs> horn to hang on to. That's there. right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Grab a little mane or something hey, like that. And Jennifer? I sure enjoyed seeing Scooter. Yeah, well, that was a fun thing, a birthday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Scooter had his 10th birthday. And by the way, Jennifer Denise, our guest wrangler, just said she'll go with you to Horse Drive next year. So the two of you on a plane to Colorado. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I see an adventure. You know. What a great idea. They supply horses to dude ranches. And I've, I talked to a guy that the key, when, they, when you ride your horse at a dude ranch, if they're going to let you lope or not, they wa- they ask you to they ask you to lope and they determine if you're a skilled rider or not whether you hold on to the saddle horn. <laughs> so if you don't, you're good. That's part of their checklist. So <laughs> my son was a wrangler at a dude ranch here in Oregon, 
and he said it was always nerve-wracking when he would take the guests out for the first time, and they really had wonderful horses. But, yeah. you know, he said there were people who would lie, and they'd say, oh, yeah, yes. you know, I, I can ride, time. and they were getting <laughs> on on the right side, or, you know, holding the reins in two hands. And But then every once in a while, there'd be a very quiet person that would, you know, get on correct, would have checked their girth before they got on, and he'd think, oh, thank God, at least I've got one that I'm not going to have to pick up out of the dust or something like that. It was a great summer for him. He enjoyed it. Well, of course, Jill is an author. She's done uh, several book, cookbooks now, and we have her on every month to do a recipe. And I got to are we going to be honest with her? So we looked at your <laughs> recipe today, and both of us, both Tara and I, both went, I don't really like onions that much. So, okay. <laughs> but there's a lot of listeners in the well, audience I, that do. Tell us why Robin's pickled red and sweet onions are so good. Well, I knew I was stepping out of everybody's comfort zone by doing this, but I did this because Robin was over here in central Oregon just a few days ago, and we had a barbecue at Camp Sherman on the banks of the Metolius River. It was absolutely beautiful. And when I post the recipe today on The Cowgirl in the Kitchen, I'm going to post a picture of Robin and I, not in the kitchen, but on the banks of the Metolius River. But she brought this recipe. It's in the book, and she brought a jar of this so that when she barbecued the hamburgers, we had this on the side. And I don't like onions all that well either, to tell you the truth. But <laughs> these onions are just out of this world. She had been up to Walla Walla, Washington, where they grow uh, sweet onions, and she brought some for me, too. And I I will make this, but it is hard to give any of them away because it makes a great accompaniment to anything barbecued, any meat. Um, they lose their oniony kick. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Sometimes onions, you know, come back and visit you several times. This doesn't. This is just a good. <laughs> That's a little, polite way of putting of it. I got to remember that, Jill. Exactly. It, yeah. <laughs> God, that's so polite. <laughs> but they're a wonderful. They're a wonderful accompaniment to almost anything, and they also make a great gift from the garden with a little raffia tied around the lids. People will think you're just, you know, amazing. And it really wasn't hard at all. So you say so accompaniment. Here's how it goes. Do you serve it as a side? Do you serve it over barbecue? What What do you mean by accompaniment? I, we we actually put it on the hamburgers, then along with your choice of ketchup or mayonnaise or whatever you like. But you could also, if you're not doing the bun, say that you're on a diet, which which is a word I'm not terribly familiar with, but I understand <laughs> some people are. <laughs> you could have not any buns. You could have the grilled hamburger meat, and then this makes a perfect little zing to have with that grilled meat. It's, it's really quite good. All right. That's so a good let, accompaniment. How do you make pickled red and sweet onions? Okay. You're going to need three and a half cups of sweet and red onions mixed. That would be one and a half cups of sweet onions, like a Walla Walla or a Vidalia, and one cup of red onions. Or Robin does point out that you can do all sweet onions or all red onions, but they look pretty mixed together. You cut these in half rings about an eighth of an eighth of an inch thick and you pack these tightly in a clean glass canning jar then you're going to pour a half a cup of white or wine vinegar 
a half a cup of cold water, and a tablespoon of pickling spices, along with a cup of white sugar, into a saucepan. We recommend a stainless steel saucepan because it won't pick up the vinegar for everything you cook for the next four or five days. (laughs) Um, You put everything into a saucepan and bring it to a boil on medium heat. You cook and stir that once or twice about five minutes. Then you just pour the hot liquid over the onions in the jar. I mean, does it get any simpler than that? Let them cool (laughs) on the counter. When they're cool, put the sterilized lids on them, tighten and store in the refrigerator for a day. The next day, this is where, you know, I I sort of kicked about this because I said, wait a minute, I have to do more. The next (laughs) day, you drain the liquid carefully into a saucepan, bring it to a boil, and pour it again over the onions. That's the key. And I don't know why. There's probably a scientist listening to this who will say, oh, well, it's because of the molecular breakdown or something like that. But the key is redoing it. You cool them again, cover them again, let them sit in the refrigerator overnight, and then you have to repeat this process one more time the next day. But now they're ready when they're chilled. You can keep these in the refrigerator, and they will be good for three or four months that will give you a quart of pickled onions. So you never actually cook the onions before ask. you put them in the jar. It's the it's no, the it's you're, you're the not. sauce that's cooking you're them. Not. It's the liquid. Yeah. It's the hot pickling spice liquid that's actually breaking them down so that you don't taste them and think to yourself, "Oh gosh, these are too hot or something." It it gives them something magical. They're just magical. They're very very good. Um, pickling spices are available already combined, and they're marked as such in the spice section at your grocery store, or you can make your own, and I will add that on the recipe that I'll post on my website. It's Basically, it's mustard seeds and allspice, coriander, caraway seeds, a little red pepper. You can add more red pepper flakes if you like it hot. And I think there are people south of the Mason-Dixon line that definitely want it to be a little hotter. Um, Out here in the West, we like it a little bit milder. You can use a little ground ginger, a bay leaf, which you've broken into small pieces, and a cinnamon stick and four whole cloves. And you'll see in the picture, um, you can see these in the jar. And um, I avoid eating any of the spices, but I, you know, you sort of take the fork and push them away. But I really like the onions, so there you are. Next week, perhaps, or next month, I'll go back to doing desserts or something like that. But I thought this was a good summertime recipe. The 4th of July is coming up. Picnics, barbecues, you know, cold food. We don't want to have to cook too much. I definitely would try it. Not when it's... I definitely would try it. Yeah, me too. It's it's quite good. I hope that you do, and I want to know how you like it. I mean, I, I pretty much stay away from anything pickled other than pickles. But are there right. – so what is what is pickling spices? Is that meant to go over the top of the pickled onions? Is that what this you is? Are, the, the spices are in the liquid, and they're adding flavor. They're adding oh, I see it there. And they're adding, yeah. Uh, yeah they're, um, gotcha. They're putting all the – well, the spices and the sugar. The sugar is important because that will break down the onion 
um, the sugar and the spices and the vinegar, break it all down. And that's what pickles, they do really last forever. I think actually they can last longer than that in the icebox, but I think three or four months is probably a safe bet. And I think if you <laughs> use the small, um, the small little jars, um, they're not, I guarantee one jar, one barbecue, they're gone. And everybody, I certainly, I, we had them two years ago because I had to make them too for the, um, for the book. And I remember when I ate them two years ago, I thought, these don't taste like anything like I thought they were going to taste like. And, they, and the onions are not crisp any longer. <clears throat> They've become rather soft, which is very pleasant for breaking with your fork um, or biting into. You're not going to fight them. Well, that's terrific. They're awfully good. I hope you all try them and let me know. Well, that's why yeah. we have you on, is to bring us things that will stretch our culinary delights. <laughs> uh, Cowgirls don't like to stretch too far. No, that's but right. I know that Cowboys don't either. I know, every once in a while, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I know that everybody I know likes to step out of their, you know, their, their everyday and make something homemade. And they love to bring you, you know, I could do zucchini. <laughs> There's always going to be a lot of zucchini in the summertime. <clears throat> but they very much like making zucchini bread or yeah. something like that because yeah. it shows that, you know, they're well-rounded. They're not just going to buy everything from the store. Best so zucchini. this is something yeah. you've made yourself. Best zucchini. And it's a gift. Well, that's true. And it should be good. Well, and Kara, are your kids adventurous eaters, or are they at the pizza hot dog stage? They're at the pizza hot dog stage. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Just can't get them to eat anything but pizza and chicken nuggets. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, steak. I mean, they're both really good about steak. So <laughs> it's a good thing you live on a ranch. Yes, I was going to say yes. That's that's so they won't start. It'd really stink but, if you yeah. ended up with three vegetarians. <laughs> You're not going to believe this, or maybe you will. Maybe I just haven't bought a major appliance for a long time. But I was in an appliance store not very long ago, and wandered over and looked at a brand new stove. Oh God, it was gorgeous. It had all sorts of bells and whistles on it. But on the oven setting, this fascinated me. You know, like your microwave has popcorn yeah, or yeah, reheat yeah. or something like that. This stove had on the, on the oven setting a setting for chicken nuggets. <laughs> no kidding. Way. I've never seen anything Tara's like that. Tara's going by one. I mean, can't you <laughs> no, read the I back don't. of the box where it says preheat to 400 degrees? <laughs> oh Apparently not. You just push the button. How, how simple is that? Oh, my God, Jill. All right, where can people <laughs> find your book? I I thought, oh, where can people find the book? They yep. can find it on Amazon.com. And if you're a member of their Prime, which I am, you'll have it in your hands for just about two to three days, and at a lesser price, then you can find it on my website, although the website does take you to Amazon as well. So there it is, and right. I'll publish that when I put it in the thing. Cowgirls Always in the a kitchen. pleasure to talk to you. Too. All right. Thanks, Jill. Cowgirls in the kitchen. I'll right. go back in the kitchen now. All right. Thanks, And I'll Jill. wait and listen to the whole thing. All right. Talk to you care. soon. Bye. Thanks, Jill. Bye-bye. <laughs> there you go. You think you get your kids yeah. ever to eat pickled onions? Yeah, I might be able to try it. You know, they surprise me sometimes. <laughs> and then other I, times I, when you're at Disney, they want the chicken nuggets and the fries. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> We're not stepping out. But as soon as you tell them they can't have something, they want it. Right. Oh, no, that's grown-up food. Well, of course, that's what they want then. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. <laughs> Reverse psychology. Well, Dr. Rose's Remedy Skin Treatment Solvent Spray is 100% all-natural products. Uh, they are anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal, and anti-mother-in-law. Dr. Rose's are made with all human-grade ingredients and are safe and effective for treatment of scratches, abrasions, cuts, and scrapes on your horse. Act for Dr. Rose's at your local tack and feed supplier. Visit them at drrosesremedies.com. We use Dr. Rose's around here all the time for any cut and scratch or anything that's... Uh, we have fire ant bites, and I'm sure you have those in New Mexico. Mm. So No. When, no? You don't have fire ants? <laughs> Oh, well, we don't. We're not lucky. moist enough. You're not lucky. even not even fire ants want to live there. No, not yeah. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but we use it for the fire ant bites that the horses get, or or we get. And it's not recommended for humans, but we use it all the time. We keep some in the house. Uh, you know, I highly recommend, and and we use it for scratches too. Our, my pony gets scratches on his ankles. Best for dew poisoning. Yeah, for dew yeah, poisoning. So we use it, and I literally have to put it on if I see the if I see the lines starting to develop on the ankles, which is probably another problem you don't have. You're not wet enough, but we get it all the time here in Florida. And all I have to do, I get the spray kind of Doctor Roses, and I spray it on. I rub it in, and I do it yeah, two days. If you love the spray. Important note here: Import, if you want, if you love the spray, get it get it fast because they're discontinuing the spray. It will only be the salve. Oh wow! There you go. Well, there's a so go to Doctor Rose right away. Yeah, yeah, get it get it while you can. And you know but, something else? I've started using it for. Yeah, <laughs> I use it on uh, their feet. If I I use it about once a week in their frogs. I take a little toothbrush or a Q tip or something. And I clean their feet out with a wire brush and clean, make sure they're really clean. And I put it down into their frog so that we do not develop thrush. Preventative. And it's very good for their skin. So I rub it into their coronet. I've been doing that to Lijo and I didn't tell you. Yeah. That was top secret. Cool. Now everybody knows. Now everybody knows yeah. your secret of Nigel's gorgeous, gorgeous coronets. <laughs> <laughs> But that's Dr. Rose's Remedies. It really is good stuff. Go get some today, drrosesremedies.com, all natural. Well, she talked about a song Joni Harms did earlier in the show called Cowboy Up. So let's take a listen to that. We're coming back. We got Sarah Bishop coming up talking about one of the largest cattle drives in the country. And it's a whole lot of fun. A million photographers show up for this every year. And apparently Denise and Jennifer are going next year. Maybe we can get Tara in the saddle, too. Uh, we'll have yeah. to drag her out there, too. You can And then... You'll get rid of the kids for like four days. It'd be good. Um, we'll be right back. <laughs> he was the new kid on the circuit, gold buckles in his eyes. But the horse he drew was plenty rank, and much to his surprise. He did a double backflip, landed on his head. This old cowboy limped out in the ring, leaned over him and said, You better cowboy up when you get thrown down. Get right back in the saddle as soon as you hit the ground. You've heard that the tough get going when the going gets tough. Around here all we say is, son, you better He was among the best 
So he proudly called the girl back home Hoping she would be impressed But her mama said she married the guy He used to call his friend And before the first tear could fall These words came back again You better cowboy up When you get thrown down I Get right back in the saddle It's the only way to go Whenever you bite the dust Better cowboy up When you get thrown down I get right back in the saddle As soon as you hit the ground You heard that the tough get going When the going gets tough Around here all we say is Son, you better find all her music at joniharms.com. <clears throat> well, we are Horses in the Morning. We're brought to you today by Horseware, and we really appreciate their continued sponsorship of the Western episode here on Horses in the Morning. We're here five days a week, 9 a.m. each day, 9 to 10.30. Of course, most people listen to the recorded version, which you can find on our app, uh, Horse Radio Network. Just go to the App Store, iOS or Android, download the free app, and you can listen there or any podcast player, iTunes, or any of the podcast players out there, or on our website at horsesinthemorning.com. Just a little tease for tomorrow. We have a brand new show that just came to the Horse Radio Network. Episode one is out, and it's on all of the places that you want to listen, and we're going to talk about that tomorrow. We're going to have them on to tease that a little bit, and it's called Heels Down Happy Hour, so we'll talk about that tomorrow. Well, now coming up, uh, we have a guest, don't we? Yes, we do. Uh, who we're, we're going to have join us is Sarah Bishop. Uh, she's a Colorado cowgirl. She's a third generation rancher raised on the largest working dude horse ranch in America. Uh, Sarah actually has an animal science degree from Abilene Christian University, which is where I met Sarah. We were at a horse show in Abilene uh, and we we needed some tools for something. And she had the full professional toolkit in her truck and uh, had an opportunity to visit with Sarah and just really impressed with who she is as an individual and um, now she's got a really cool story to, to tell. So Sarah, welcome, welcome to Horses in the Morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So Sarah, tell us a little bit about, uh, well, first of all, where are you in Colorado? What, what area? Yeah, I'm in the Longmont area, which is right next to Boulder, and we're kind of nestled right along the Rocky Mountains, and I can actually see Long Peak and Mount Meeker this morning, and they're beautiful. Awesome. So, Sarah, what? Uh, tell us a little bit about your family's your family's ranch and the history of you guys' operation. Awesome. So, my grandpa is Rex Walker, and he and my grandmother, Quita, started our business in 1959 
my grandma's brother, Pat Mantle, came to my grandpa, and he was few, short a few horses for a lease that he was trying to do. So my grandpa, who's been in the oil business for a little bit um, at this point, helped fund this project, and they started out with two horses to fulfill one lease and ended up buying 16 horses. They gained a third partner in this little business in Denver, and his name is Keith Hagler. And together, these three partners grew our business to a peak of 2,000 head of riding horses. Wow. We're not actually a breeding operation. We have purely riding horses. Yeah. So now we have um, a couple different ranches and business projects, I guess you could say. We have a ranch over in the Western Slope in Craig, Colorado, one in Browns Park, Colorado, another one in Southern Colorado, and a few right here in Longmont and Boulder. We do trail rides in Estes Park. Uh, we do backyard leases. We do hunting leases for uh, big game hunters and just kind of everything in between. So in order to to provide the horses for these different operations, whether they're yours or other businesses, kind of how does that go about that you that you get them all ready to go out to their different jobs. So, which is, you know, part of the great American horse drive, but can you tell us a little bit about how that, how that works? Yeah. So our business we have set up uh, in four seasons. So our first season will be our summer leases and that's getting horses to where they belong for the summer and they'll live for the entire summer. Um, then our, we go into our fall season, which is hunting and that's primarily leasing horses out to specific hunters um, and then after that we fall into our winter season which is actually the horses break off they don't have any human contact we turn them out turn them out in a 54,000 acre pasture for the winter where they graze um just be a horse and, wait a minute sarah yes enjoy life <laughs> wait a minute sarah let's stop right there because we live on the <laughs> east coast and you know when we talk pastures we're talking you know half an acre to an acre so is it still called a pasture when it's fifty four thousand acres <laughs> yes just a very very big one I uh, yeah suppose. yeah yeah a little bit <laughs> i don't want to fix it, that fence yeah, i really don't i don't want to I was going to say, is it, is it all, (laughs) is the fence all the way around that, like that many sections or like, do you have them subdivided? We have them subdivided. So we have them into three pastures. We very simply call it the North, the middle and the South pasture. (laughs) (laughs) And when we start our spring work, uh, we gather each one of those pastures in a day. So it takes about a day to ride through one of them. You realize that the horse people, that the listeners listening to this, 95% of them cannot understand this at all, right? How many, how many riders do you take to gather one of those sections or, you know, one of those divisions of the pastures, uh, to, to gather in that day? Like how many do you drop off around the perimeter? (laughs) Right. So when we started, um, this was just the man's work, you know, and so the women would go home and cook lunch or whatever, and the guys would go and gather, and they'd probably be 10 to 12. Uh, since then, we've kind of evolved our program, and we started inviting guests on our gather, and uh, we actually take 10 guests who are not paid employees. They're not friends of the family. They're just guests that have um, paid to come and be part of this experience and of course through that we've met some awesome friends 
So now on average, we take maybe 30 people to gather one of these pastures, but everyone is completely necessary in this process. Yeah. So three days to gather the different pastures, and then what happens? mm -hmm. So our guests come on a Tuesday. Uh, We get them all ready, get them on horses, and we gather the north pasture first, followed by the next day we gather the middle pasture, and the last day we gather the south pasture. Then we kind of leave ourselves a buffer day, which would be Friday. And that just gives us an opportunity to ride through those pastures again and make sure we didn't forget any horses. They're really sneaky. So sometimes they hide in (laughs) big trees or bushes and they don't want to go back to spring work for a little bit. (laughs) So then we push everything into what we call the gathered pasture, which is just over 200 acres. And that's our small pasture. So we push them in there. um, And then the morning of well, Saturday, which begins our horse drive, uh, we push everything out of the gather pasture into a giant holding corral, and it's kind of busting out the seams because there's so many horses in there, just kind of anxious, ready to go. They know what's about to happen. <coughs> and then we actually open the gates and turn those horses loose on the county road, where we drive them on Saturday, just like your classic uh, cattle drive, except it's a lot faster because we're moving horses, not cattle. And we drive them 32 miles down the road to an overnight pasture where we put them for the night. Everyone goes back to the ranch, gets a good night of rest. And then we go back on Sunday morning, regather them and drive them the remaining of the 60 miles to our final destination. So, and what pace, because it is faster than a cattle drive, what pace is it that you go? I mean, can you kind of tell people a little bit about that? Like in, because in a cattle drive, you want to stay slow and don't, you don't want to lose any weight, but horses are very different. So. Right. Well, we can try to set a pace for them, but the horses are always very anxious to go. They know what time of year it is. They get excited. And you're looking at a body of between 700 to 400 head of horses that are all moving together. So you can really feel the energy and we try to keep them in certain parts, just at a long trot, which is an extended gait. Um, it kind of keeps them so they're not getting too exhausted. Some of our slower, older horses can keep up, and then we get to wear the energy off the really fresh young ones. <laughs> um, sometimes it gets out of hand. You know, we have, we've had years where the horses are so excited, they just run all the way. But we try to slow them down, trot at some points, and then we actually will walk at a lot of points. So when people come to ride and to help you on these 30, 60 miles, do they bring their own horse? Do you supply the horse? Is it a little bit of both? You know, we try not to let people bring their own horses, and it's nothing against their horse or their program with their horse, but it's just such a unique thing for a horse to try to control another one of its species. It's just not Mm -hmm. normal for them. It's not um, a natural habit. So our horses are really unique in that uh, they can move in a big herd of horses and we can chase them all over the country trying to gather them, but really they handle very well and they know how to respect the horses that are in front of them, the horses that are behind them, and the horses that are on the side holding them together. So we try to use our own horses just because they're used to the program. They're used to having that feeling of 700 head of horses behind them pushing them. So and outside horses that just don't have that experience or not. They're not used to it. They're not prepared for it. It's really hard on them. Jennifer, you can't bring your thoroughbred. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Wouldn't not, work. It's no. not going to work. No. No, I'm sorry. Work at all. 
It's so, you know, I watched the video and, uh, and it is, by the way, this is also the event that you will see every horse photographer in the world wants to attend this once. It's all, it's on their bucket lists. You see the pictures from this, some of the most amazing photographs from the photographers that attend this. Did you ever think it would become this big a thing for photographers from around the world? Not really from the photographer's standpoint. You know, this started with just a couple of cowboys and my <laughs> grandpa even today, he denied this, but he gets a little choked up when he just looks at this empire that he's built. Because it truly is an empire of horses um, and photographers and people and just amazing friends that we've made that come to be part of it. Um, we go through a little town called Maybell and Maybell has, you know, a gas station, a hotel and a city park. And Maybell goes from a 12-person town to hundreds of people that gather to take photos. But Maybell Gas Station actually sells these postcards, and they say, not a one-horse town. And it's a photo of all these (laughs) horses running through town, which is kind of neat. That's awesome. Sarah, uh, I mean, I know that there's... It's one thing to be a photographer and come and see all these horses and the beauty of the horse, but it's also it also takes place in some of the most beautiful scenery of, of the United States. And I think your granddad has something to say about sort of, you know, how people can take this in. And do you have, do you have what he likes to say about it? Yeah, he, it actually says this on our website. It says an artist brush couldn't have painted a more spectacular landscape. Come ride the Rockies with sombrero to see for yourself. That's pretty cool. (laughs) That's pretty cool. We, last year we were out, we were out at Estes Park. And then we hiked in we hiked mm-hmm. in the Rockies, and it's just some of the most beautiful country in the country for sure. It's just beautiful, right? Yeah, we actually have a stable there in Estes Park, and it's it's flourished. It's done so well. I was looking through the history and talking to my grandpa about it, and he said when they first opened that stable, there was twelve other riding stables there in town. And it costs a dollar twenty-five a person to go on a two-hour ride. <laughs> and today we are the only gig in town, which is cool. And it's now forty-eight dollars for an hour ride. So it's just amazing how it's grown and how well it's done up there. Yeah, well, I can see why. <clears throat> There's a lot of places to go yeah. up there too, for sure. Yeah. And Sarah, what yeah, what's your role? I mean, it's one thing to to try to try to preserve the heritage. Um, and honor the heritage of something that your family has built. And then it's another thing to take take something like this into the next generation. So how is that where do you fit in that in the role of doing those things? So my grandpa and grandma had four kids. Um, actually, they had six kids, two adopted and four of their own. And each, child has taken part of the business because there's so many different locations and so many things going on that we need a lot of hands on deck. So my family's portion of the business is here in Longmont. Uh, We have our main office here and then we have our base ranch. So when we gather all of our horses, um, we bring them down to our location and each horse is dewormed, vaccinated, and gets shoes on it. And then uh, we have some great ranch hands that are here to help us, and they get on the horses and they ride them and just make sure they're ready to go for our guests this year. And then we have a barn full of saddles, and we actually have an alleyway that we run our horses through, and um, we get saddles on them and 
instead of just keeping the same horse, the same saddle, since their backs change over time, we actually match the horse's saddle to it each spring so that we make sure the fit is perfect. And we have a bridle that we put on them, saddle, so the tack comes with the horse when you lease them. And then we load them on trailers and ship them out from our location. And do you, are you hands on deck for that part? Do you help um, spread the word about, about the Great American Horse Drive and what you guys do? Or kind of what, how do you, like, what's, what's, what is it that you most enjoy about, about this part of what your family does? Yeah, so I'm kind of in a transition role right now. Um, in the past, I've always been part of the spring work. I mean, putting saddles on horses. I don't try to shoe or ride Bronx or anything, but <laughs> definitely involved in uh, you know medical care and saddling and fitting. And then now my role is kind of transitioning. I'm working on going to vet school, and I hope to be our resident veterinarian, which we greatly need in our program. Veterinary care mm-hmm. is very expensive, and especially when you're on such a mass scale. So I'm working towards that right now. And then my brother and I have, and my cousins, we've all discussed working on running the business together. And so I think that's in the future plans right now. Currently, it's kind of transitioning to the hands of our parents, and then I think we'll take over after that. Wow, that's awesome! And Sarah, is really appreciative that you that you took time out today because I know that you have a big uh, a big event today. And what is it that you're headed to do this afternoon? I have been very blessed. I made the final for the Miss Rodeo Colorado pageant, so I'm headed to the Greeley Independence Stampede today to begin that adventure. And that's a four day contest. It combines speeches interviews, horsemanship, modeling, you name it, and it'll all take place at the Greeley Independent Stampede. Cool. So you definitely have uh, you definitely have your your hands in, in several parts of the horse industry from from horses and veterinary care and training and uh, promoting promoting the Western lifestyle, you know, via Miss Rodeo Colorado and and Rodeo. I know your family had done some st- stock contracting in the past. So another to me, Glenn, it's really cool to to hear guests that have so much so much experience and uh, heritage from the Western lifestyle. So right, exactly, and I imagine that you were out there with those horses when you were before you were even born. Probably yeah. In diapers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, so, you know, people always ask me, how old are you the first time you rode a horse? And I was like, well, I could hold my head up pretty early. So I guess around two months ago, <laughs> the first time I sat on one. So. <laughs> There you go. Yes, I've been on one for a while. Yes. You know what was amazing yeah. too, and I want—I do want to cover this a little bit before we go. And that when we watched the video, I didn't realize that the people that can go out and can do this adventure with you—they can do the horse drive. And actually, my wife, who you just met, is on the line here. The producer, she said this is something she's always wanted to do. So we're going to take a look at that. Um, <clears throat> but. You don't have to necessarily be a terrific rider. Some of these people that I saw from from this year, they get training for a couple of days, but they you know they either hadn't ridden in a long time. One of the ladies who had to be in her seventies said she had never ridden. It's just on their bucket list. That's amazing that you can do that, and it goes to say something about your horses too, for for that matter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's definitely a very challenging ride, and I wouldn't encourage you know complete beginners to do it because it is an endurance ride. You're going fast, you're going hard, 
But we do have some incredible guests that are willing to take this physical challenge and mental challenge and just do the best they can. So I admire those folks. I don't think I would be able to do it if I were in their shoes. So um, I admire them for that. Do you have a lot of ointment for them at the end of each day? (laughs) Uh, We recommend a lot of sleep and maybe some ice because they're a little sore. It really (laughs) puts that term bow-legged into action. And some blisters in places they never thought they would get blisters before. Oh, you There's have like no, a... idea. no idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I bet. I was going to say if you if you allowed people to bring their own horses, I thought, man, you you'd almost have to recommend a conditioning program for the horse. But certain if and if they're going to be in charge of the conditioning program for their horse, then they'll at least you know do their own conditioning. But now that you must use one of your horses, you certainly need a little little yeah. preparation. Yeah, you might want to prep for this one. That's yeah. a long time in the saddle. That's <laughs> really yes. long. You're basically Definitely. right. It is an endurance ride. It's a competitive yeah. endurance ride, uh, and it's the same length as some of the endurance riders go every day. So you're, you're right. It's a long time in the saddle. Uh, the adrenaline will help you right. notice the first 15 miles. Yeah, the first 15 miles. That last 15, the adrenaline stops, and then, and then the sores start to come in. And then that's what you think about for the that's next right. 15 miles. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> That's when you start tallying the mile markers of how long till the ranch. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> and you're hungry, and yeah, it's all of that. We're making it sound really good here. You know that. Yeah, right? I know. <laughs> uh, We're not yeah, selling it well, pictures. Sarah. It'll be worth it. <laughs> you know what? Our listeners are all horse people. They all get this before we even mentioned it, right? So they they understand. Oh, oh yeah. Are there? So you wanted well, to sign up to interested in coming. Yeah. Go ahead. That's what I was going to say. If, if you wanted to sign up to come. on our horse drive, yeah, it's, you can find our um, information on our website. It's www.sombrero.com. Uh, we have our full information from a photo clinic that we performed before the horse drive and during the horse drive and the actual horse drive event if you want to be our guest and come and ride horses. Or if you're just interested in coming to one of our riding stables, we have locations all throughout Colorado um, in the mountains, and we actually have a location in Phoenix, Arizona. So there's a lot of opportunities to be involved with Sombrero out there, and especially in the horse drive. How, are you sold out for, for years in advance, or is this something they could get in on next year? Or how, how far do you sell out for the people who want to ride? Right. We typically try to um, allow guests who have gone before to say if they want to go again. Just some people, you know, they want to collect that buckle each year and continue to come. So we try to leave that open to them. But we do have a lot of turnover. Um, You know, some people it's one time and that's about as far as their body can go. And so um, we do have some open spots for next year, but they go really quickly. So if you want to go, I would book soon. <laughs> now, you don't know the date. I just noticed on the website, I don't see the date yet. When is it usually? What month or around what time usually? It's typically always the first week of May, first weekend of May. Okay. Um, but it will, it does change based on the, you know, the weather, weather season, how much grass yeah. we have. If we need to pull those horses off that pasture sooner because there's not enough grass, we will move it up maybe one or two weekends. So that's about it. Okay. Very good. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us. It is Sombrero. That's S-O-M-B-R-E-R-O dot com. You can find it, all the details on the website. Plus, if you're heading to Colorado or Phoenix and you want to do some trail riding while you're out there, then this is the place to go as well. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad. And good luck today. 
Yeah, thank you, Sarah. Thank you Good very luck. much. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Well, this was practice for later when you have to do your public speaking. Okay? This was practice. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'll you did and great. Judges, I can do a radio interview, hopefully. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. <Yeah>. Good luck. <laughs> well, that's fun. Is this something that you've ever done or wanted to do, Tara? Well, I've done a horse drive on the Bell Ranch before, but it's nothing like 60 miles. So absolutely, I I would love to do it. My friend Lindsay, who's a mutual friend between Sarah and I, uh, Lindsay went out this year and did the horse drive for the first time. And she was telling me all about it. And I thought, man, I got to get Sarah on the show. So this was great. What how, what did she say about it? It was her first time to oh, do she it. Lo- so. Oh, she just loved it. You yeah. know, she loved it. Yeah. So I didn't ask her if she got sore. <laughs> And and you know really she didn't feel the need to mention it like I think that's kind of that that experience that's a pride is that thing yeah it doesn't even matter it's yeah you know it's minute in comparison to what you get to experience we just had Leslie on yesterday who's our mo- regular Monday contributor and she's she's training now for the Mongol Derby so oh, yes. uh, oh, there you enter Mike again we'll have to have you unplugged but she was training for the uh, Mongol Derby and went to Texas and rode for eighty three miles in one day so. Uh, they were telling about their adventures, fjording rivers, and all the things they had to to accomplish in one day, riding 83 miles through Texas. So it's kind of neat that for two days in a row, we've been talking about endurance riding of different kinds. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Tara, for joining us again. Tell us a little bit about your program and we, where people can find you guys. Well, you can find us at carterranchhorse.com and... We're here in Clovis, New Mexico, riding horses and teaching people how to train horses. So, And if, you, uh, <laughs> if they want to get a hold of you to see if that's something they want to participate in, the best way is through the website? Yes. Yeah, or our email is info at carterranchhorse.com. Very good. Well, thank you again for joining us this month. We really appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow. Jamie will be here. And, of course, get your really bad ads in for later in the week. Send them to Jennifer at (laughs) horseradionetwork.com. You want to definitely make sure you get those ads in. We have some great prizes, and we'll be giving away the prizes this Friday. So you, you want to make sure you get your ads in to get more entries. And we do, we do the random drawing, so you want to, you want to uh, get those in before appreciate. Thursday night. Increase your chances. I bet you your Craigslist, where you live, has some really bad horse ads. Yeah, I'll have to look. Yeah, I'll I have guarantee to look. you we've had ones from New Mexico <laughs> before. <laughs> so. All you got, all you got to do is go in there and some search term. You go to the little top there you, in the search bar. Spell something wrong. Spell gelding wrong or farrier wrong yeah, or trailer wrong. And you're going to come up with the best ads. <laughs> there you go. Spell it wrong to get the best <laughs> ads. That's perfect. <laughs> that's how you do it. Tricks of the trade. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> well, that's how you do it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll be back again tomorrow. I'm going to play us out with some more Joni Harms. And this is uh, one that I really liked when I was listening this morning called Cowboy's Prayer. We'll see you all tomorrow morning. And we'll be back with another Western episode, second Tuesday or fourth Tuesday of the month next month. Thank you, Tara. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Ooh.
For so many years We've rode side by side Now we're parting trails But before we do My dear old friend There's a blessing to you May the hot blazing sun Shy away from your hat Come a cold biting wind Let it be to your back May you and your pony Live long and ride Through pastures aplenty With the Lord by your side When you bed down at night Neath a blanket of stars May you peacefully rest with joy in your heart. 